Are you a physical therapist who wants to pay off your student loans, gain financial independence, and have true autonomy in your work and your life? The best way to do that is to open your own practice. But how? What are the steps that practically guarantee your success? Well, that's what you're about to learn. The Performance Doc Academy podcast is your audio blueprint to opening your very own physical therapy practice. So let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Performance Doc Academy podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Dr. Leon Knight. I'm Dr. Carrie Knight. And I'm Dr. Jared Cooper. And in this episode, we are going to help you figure out where you fit in. You're trying to open your own practice. You are surrounded by competitors. More are coming online as we're doing this episode. Little guys are getting eaten up by the big guys. And you got to figure out how are you going to stand out? How are you going to get customers? How are you going to make money? And how are you going to grow your practice? To do that, you have to know the ocean that you're swimming in. And you've got to carve out your own niche. That is what we're talking, talking about today. So let's do it. What do you guys have in mind here? So I think it's very important that you you have to get to know your competition in order to get a leg up on your competition. And it, it takes research. You, you have to do your part. And oftentimes, you have to know what type of research that you need to do. And that's what this episode is about. Just being strategic and getting the best out of the information that's available to you so that you can make the best decision and go in with the competitive advantage against your competitors. Yeah, so Jared, why don't you take us through kind of the difference between the red ocean versus the blue ocean analogy? I don't know where the original term red ocean and blue ocean were coined. I know that it was in a book. It was a marketing book. I first heard it from Russell Brunson, but either way, uh, here's the general idea. So you have to imagine an ocean and the ocean is crowded with sharks and the sharks are your competitors. And those sharks are eating up all the minnows. They're eating up all the fish. And so what that does is it bloodies the water. And all these sharks, all your competitors are out there. They're doing the same thing. They're selling the same stuff. And they're eating up all the customers. All of your customers are being eaten up. The ocean is really red. So they call it a red ocean. So the notion here is that you need to differentiate yourself enough that you create a new offering, a blue ocean, someplace where customers can come and be safe, where there aren't all the sharks coming around trying to eat them. So the blue ocean needs to be different than the red ocean. It doesn't contain as many sharks. Why doesn't it have sharks? Because you created it. You essentially established a niche under your own. That's the first concept. Then the second concept is, now you still need customers because there's nobody in the blue ocean. You created it. It's a blue ocean. There's nobody there. Well, how do you get customers? Well, you essentially go to the red ocean and you present your new beautiful paradise offering to the red ocean. And you say, here, all this traffic, all these potential customers over here in the red ocean, come over here to the blue ocean where it's nice, the waters are clear, and you can get, you can get something new, you can get something exciting. Now it's still familiar, it's still an ocean, and that's the way you have to do it in marketing. You have to offer something that people are familiar with. If it's completely unfamiliar, let's say you you came up with some like new physical therapy practice called, you know, like, I don't know, like intestinal balancing, you know, for neck pain. People are like, what the hell are you talking? Like, no one knows what the hell that is, like, or whatever. I don't know. Like, so that is just too differentiated. People are gonna have no clue what you're talking about. But if you came up with something that people have heard of before, but it's new, 
like a fascial balancing for neck pain. People know, they've heard of fascia, myofascial. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. Fascial balancing for neck pain. That sounds like something I might be interested in. I have neck pain and I have fascia. I've heard something like that before. So it's, it's like similar enough that they're like, okay, I recognize this, but it's different enough that they become curious. And that's really what you want. You want people to be curious so that they, they scroll down on your page. They, call, they pick up the phone and call your office to get more information. The more curious you can make them, the more likely they are to take the next step in order to learn more. And so that's really what this concept of red ocean and blue ocean is. So then that brings us to point number three, which is, well, how do you create a blue ocean? Well, the first step, obviously, is to look at the red ocean closely and really learn about the sharks and learn about who's in the red ocean, who's out there eating up all of the all of the potential patients out there right now. And the way that you do that is by researching your competition. So this used to be called, of course, market analysis or market research, uh, you know, in the old school marketing space. And so what we believe the best way to start doing that literally is just to get on Google, either through Google search or Google maps, and then click onto the website of every one of your competitors and look at every physical therapist in the area and go to their websites and click on every single page you can possibly click on their websites and try to learn as much as you can. And when you guys uh, transition from your old practice to the performance doc, you did this as well. So why don't we talk a little bit about your experience and how it helped you? Sure. Yeah. Jared, uh, he, he had us do this when we were working with him and transitioning, like he said, from we were called movement solutions, physical therapy. We switched over to the performance doc. So we were trying to figure out, again, kind of how we could differentiate ourselves. So first thing we had to do was Google search, look at our competition. I think we chose maybe like a 10 mile radius, something reasonable that patients would be willing to drive because if you're much further out, they're probably not going to come to you. They're probably going to search, you know, closer to there. Um, so first we looked at other physical therapy offices in the area. And I think something that was cool was just noting like, Oh, here's what we like on their website. Here's what we don't like. Um, Oh, we can tell who these people are talking to versus, I don't know, these people are talking to everybody. Um, so just like teasing out some of those things was cool to do in the market research, I would say. Um, but then we also looked at other, non-physical therapy offices that might be competitors nearby. Um, at the time, we were thinking about offering some kind of personal training services or fitness classes. So we looked at all the gyms in the area as well to see what they offered. And again, where we could differentiate ourselves enough that we might want to offer something in that space. Yeah. And just to go into a little bit more of what she was saying, where the 10 mile radius is very important because you really want to know, you want to know how much blood is in the ocean, right? Because if it's, if, let's say for instance, there is a, a saturation of physical therapy clinics in the area. You almost have to think, you have to look to see, I, I think you even go a little bit further and say, oh, how many are private practices compared to mills or like um, hospitals or well-established organizations? Because you know if you are going to go and network how difficult it's going to be to get referrals from any of those right like you're very unlikely to get referrals so that in that case the way you create a blue ocean could possibly be the whole cash base or where you can you're really going to focus on direct access more so than anything but i think i think 
figuring out, okay, who are my competitors really? Are they in network, out of network? Like we talked about, um, you, you want to also, if you're going to be this wellness, you're going to have a wellness component as well, performance training component as well, then you got to see what the trainers are charging, what their packages are like. I remember talking to another clinician and he said he does personal training um, as well. He's a cash base. He has a cash based practice. And we asked him, so what's the rate, the hourly rate for your, for your training sessions? Because he was charging, I think, 150 a session for his physical therapy sessions. And he said, I charge 150 I said, oh, okay. How many, <laughs> how many, how many um, patients do you have? Right? And somebody, I was thinking in my mind, but I don't think I asked him, but you can't have many. Like, because he said, well, why would I charge less? An hour of my time is an hour of my time. But I think the thought process was missed with the fact that, yeah, but they can go right next door to someone. They can go down the street to someone who is charging $65 an hour. And for the most part, if they're just trying to get in shape or performance training, they don't see the They all they see is the difference in pricing more so than the difference in education and possible outcomes that they may uh, receive. So... Be be mindful of those things. Those are very important things to think about how um, how you really fit in and what's around you. You bring up a really good point with physician-owned practices, what are called POPs. POPs or POTS, physician-owned physical POPs. therapy practice, POPs, mm-hmm. um, which is that if you have a lot of physician-owned practices or hospital-based outpatient practices, which are not physician-owned, they're hospital-owned, but nonetheless, they live inside of a hospital, Like you said, the chances of you capturing those doctors is few and far between. We had a lot of these where I was in Jersey, and they they didn't exist when I first opened. We opened, there weren't many. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of the two big health systems. It's been a while that were out there. I can't remember off the top of my head. Atlantic, yes, Atlantic. Is one Kessler? uh, No, 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 no. Kessler is out in California. Oh, no, no, Kessler. Kessler. No, not like Kaiser. In... Kessler, but those are like rehab centers. Oh, okay. No, no, you're right. You're right. Jersey, you're right. Kessler. Yes. No, you're 100% right. See, you know Jersey better than I do. What's up with that? <laughs> Kessler, Atlantic, and Summit. That was the other mm, one. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, recall's getting harder these days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so these were these were the big ones. And when they when I first opened the practice, they didn't have their own physical therapy in-house. And then as we ran our practice, they opened physical therapy. When that happened, a few of the doctors, quite a number of them that used to refer out to us stopped mm-hmm. because they were pressured by the hospital not to refer out. And, they now, and, cut. and actually, yeah, we recently found out, which I thought they were all owned by the hospital system because that's what they're named around here anyway. But we recently found out from one of the physicians that when, the, when these hospital systems bought out well, they didn't really fully buy out these pr- private practice physician, you know, like family medicine practices. They they actually still own a piece of that, those physicians, and they s- actually own the physical therapy places as well, which I didn't know that. Not all of them. The hospital owns some of them, but some of the doctors own the hospital ones that you would think are owned by the hospital. Right. <laughs> and I have no clue how they're getting around the Stark Law, <laughs> right. which, but, which for those of you that don't know, says that you can't. If you own a physical therapy practice and you're a physician, you are not allowed to refer a Medicare patient to your own practice because it's self-interested mm. um, and frankly illegal. But they figure out a way around it. Either way, uh, the point is that if you are surrounded by a lot of uh, physical therapy practices, 
whereby you're not going to get a ton of doctor referrals, then you need to think about how you're going to position yourself and how you're going to market. Um, and that, that then goes into a whole other conversation about direct access marketing or direct to consumer marketing as it's called and, and how you do that. But I think that's, it's very informative to know that, uh, conversely, if you're surrounded by a lot of mom and pop shops, which may still exist around where your neighborhood is, especially if you're in a small town, then you're competing with other people that are offering customized individual care, one-on-one -on -one attention. If everybody's offering that around you, then you offering that is not a differentiating factor anymore because everybody else is just going to say exactly the same thing. And so that becomes um, instructive as to whether or not you would then leverage the concept of, oh, we provide one-on-one -on -one personal attention. Well, everybody does at this point in time, you know, who's a mom and pop. That's what everybody says they do because that's how they think they're differentiating themselves from the big box, you know, uh, retail physio places. So knowing who's around you is, is step number one. And then also knowing your non-physio competitors, like you said. So that could be massage therapy practices. That could be other pain management solutions. So once you do the Google search, you go to the website. Step two is going to be to go to their social media platforms. And of course, you're going to go to the big ones first, right? Facebook, Instagram. I got a lot of people these days where I have TikTok, but not often, not often posted on their site. Uh, who are the, who are the other ones? You know, they might have a YouTube page. Mm -hmm. Uh, they might have a LinkedIn, but Facebook, and I, I think is probably the best, best one. And you're going to go try to find the personality. You're going to find out, okay, who are they posting pictures of on Facebook? What are they talking about? What's their conversation? What's their messaging? How are they trying to get their message out there? It just speaks to the personality of the clinic that you are going to be competing with. So I think that's ultimately the second step is trying to get at the personality of the clinic and what it is that they're trying to say to the public. So Jared, yes, I very important about finding their personality. Um, but the next step, which I like to really do is uh, secret shop. This one's fun. It is fun because you get a chance to be a patient or a customer and really experience their what their and really really feel their customer experience. Right? You want to know from start to finish whether you like. I actually did. The only thing I did not finish, <laughs> and I wish I did, was I, I wish I was a patient. But I did call these, I called all the physical therapy places in, in my area to learn about how long it would take for me to get an appointment. So what was, what was the, what was the, how long did, what was the, what am I saying? The wait time. Wait, wait time. time. Wait time. Yes. The wait yeah. time. Second of all, I wanted to know pricing, right? Were they in network with all the insurance companies? Uh, if not, then what was their cash rate, self-pay rate? Um, and then just to make sure I was, if I was, because I was, I was cash based in the beginning. So I wanted to know if I was at least comparable. And for the most part, I was, um, everyone was, I think right at a hundred dollars or maybe. Yeah. The, some of the in-network practices were a little bit lower. Like maybe 90, 85, 90, but for the most part, a hundred dollars. And then the, the next thing I wanted to know was, okay, how did they sound on the phone? Like, did they really care about what was going on with me? What, what was it about my experience just from that initial point of contact that made me feel like I wanted to continue with them, right? Like, did they make me feel, did it, was it easy to have a conversation? Did I feel heard? And was, were the steps of getting an appointment easy, right? Th those are the main things I was looking for. 
And then after the phone call, did I get paperwork on, you know, through email or did I have to come in to fill it out? Um, also, I wanted to know, will I know how much it would cost right off the bat, right? Like, were they giving me the, were they letting me know how much it was going to cost so that I didn't have to wait till I got there and then possibly not be able to <laughs> pay for it or just get blindsided with the a cost. So those are the main things. And then that's where it stopped for me, right? I didn't get a chance to go and um, experience it in person. But if you do do that, you want to see, once you, if you have an appointment at 8 o'clock and you get there at 8 o'clock, do they take you back on time? Do you wait too long? How much time are you spending with a therapist? Is it, is it, uh, do you feel like you get enough attention in the sense where like when you're doing exercises, still watching, you want to know all these things. And then after that, what's their follow-up plan? Like, do they have a follow-up to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do exercises wise, as well as do they contact me afterwards to see how I'm doing after discharge, right? Am I, am I just a number that finally met their goals and it's discharged and never hear from them again? Did, did I feel like just a number, not a family member? All these things were important to me and would have, I'm sorry, are important to me and would have been important to me if I went through the whole process, which was in-person um, session, but I didn't. But for anyone that has the opportunity, I think it's very important to really feel it because whatever you like about the whole experience you you jot down and, and take a note but you also take note of all the things that you did not enjoy about the experience and that'll help round out what your ultimate experience patient experience is for your future prospects and then you have an easier time selling why you're different because you went through the whole experience of um, your competition Absolutely. And then when you find out things that you're frustrated with, they become leverage points for messaging and marketing. So for example, let's say you go to a practice and um, parking is a pain in the ass, right? Let's say they have only like I, I visited a practice maybe a couple of months ago and uh, I can't say the name, but it was um, a, a big national practice and I couldn't find parking. Like I had to park like a block and a half away. It was a pain in the ass. Well, okay. and like thinking of a patient that's in pain, like walking a block. Right, and you got to do the drive-by drop-off. You know, like you can't. So, so parking was a big deal at that practice as a negative. So, so what do you think I might put on my Google ad or my web page in order to differentiate myself from the clinic down the block that has shitty parking? Convenient. I would put parking. convenient, free, easy parking. <laughs> pull right up front, get into the clinic. So if somebody knows they have ambulatory problems and you have that on the website and the other person doesn't have that on their website, you just sort of uh, check the box, right? You have a little advantage over the competition. It's little things like that that plant seeds in, 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 in the mind of a prospective patient when they're making a decision about where they should go. And these days... And this is, I think, a very important point for people to digest. People shop for physical therapy like they shop for a pair of underwear <laughs> on Amazon, right? I mean, what is the what is the modern way to buy anything? You go on Amazon, you type in what you want, and what do you do next? You look at the reviews, mm -hmm. right? You look at how many reviews some the, the product has, 
how many five stars. I've actually gotten into the habit to only looking at one stars and I actually don't compare five star reviews. I compare the percentage of one star reviews. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's very instructive. Anyway, that's how people have gotten used to shopping. So they're doing exactly the same thing when it comes to physical therapy. We actually, we just had a patient the other day that I forgot if like we were asking her to leave a review something or if she just brought it up. I can't remember, but she was like, Oh yeah. Well, of course I looked at your reviews. She said, I used to ask my friends where to go, but now I just look at Google reviews. Yeah. I was, I was on the phone with my, with my dad today. Uh, my dad has a few health things he's dealing with and he needed a primary care physician. So he keeps saying to me, this just happened in the car on the way home from, from teaching. He, he said to me, uh, I need a new primary care physician. I have to have my blood work done a long time. I said, well, how are you going to find one? He said, well, I asked my doctor, but my neurologist, but he doesn't know. So then I asked my sister for a recommendation. I said, dad, just, just go on Google <laughs> and put in primary care physician and read the reviews. And he started going, well, I'm going to ask so-and-so this and the other. I was like, dad, you're living in the past. That's not what people do anymore. <laughs> so truth be told, I think he was just trying to avoid going to the doctor. But the reality is most people these days, uh, shop, they shop on Google and because they shop on Google, when they get to your website, your website is your storefront. Your website is your resume, your business card and your storefront. And what it is that you say and show on your website is ultimately going to differentiate you from your competitor. And you won't know what your competitors are doing badly and how to differentiate yourself against them unless you know your competitor. It's like Sun Tzu in the art of war. You have to know your enemy in a way, not to call competitors enemies because we're all here for the greater good. But from a business perspective, you have to know who you're competing against. And the more you know about their weaknesses, the more you can, for lack of a better term, exploit those as positives for your own practice. So that's step number three, the secret shopper. So Carrie, hit us up with step number four. Yeah. So step number four is now looking at the population in your area. So um, just a quick way that you can do that is to go on census.gov slash quick facts and put in your, um, you know, your zip code. And it'll give you a bunch of different facts like the population, um, I guess the age range, right? So like 65 and older versus um, 18 and younger, females versus males. Um, it also gives you like what percentage of the population is homeowners versus renters um, and like median household income. Um, so there's a bunch of facts, quick facts you can get on there uh, to help you determine what your population is. Because if you're trying to create a blue ocean and you create one for a population that doesn't exist in your area, you're not going to really be creating anything at all. Um, yeah, that's C-E-N-S-U-S, like the census, .gov, slash quick facts. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And I would I would actually make the argument that if all you gave me was the census.gov data and asked me to design a website, and I built the website only based on the data knowing nothing else, that I could build a website that outperforms one that was built without the data or that was built with just some niche in mind. Because if like where we live over here, we are we have a very high percentage of patients over the age of 65. We have a low median household income and we are predominantly female. 
Knowing that information alone, what would you say on the website? Affordable rates. You would show mm. pictures of patients over 65, not pictures of patients in their 30s and 40s. Doing cross. You would show pictures. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you would show pictures of women, not men. The, the, the visual images and the copy that you would have on the site needs to speak to the demographic that lives in your area, at least to the degree that that person lives in your area. Like in my area, we could do something more niche, women's health, vestibular, sir. Okay, fine. But you need to respect the fact that if your population doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going, I think you did a great job on number four. I can't wait to get to number five. Anybody <laughs> else have anything on number four? No. Topic? No? Good on number oh, four. Oh, good. good okay. Five. Hey, so number five, when we were talking about it earlier, before we jumped on the podcast, I was, I don't know, I, I guess I was just like daydreaming or zoning off. Like I didn't, I didn't really have like the passion and the fire that I have now. It just now. hit you. But it just hit me that. We, ha we hadn't hit record yet, so. Okay, all right. <laughs> but number five is the competitive advantage. And you're right. Well, you know, the idea is that when we think of competitive advantage is to say, hey, Jared, the reason why Martha needs to come to me instead of you is because X, Y, and Z. And oftentimes you, you try to sell yourself, want to sell yourself with a technique, with an approach or some ideology that connects with the patient, right? But let's just say Jared and I both played basketball growing up. We True. both had the same amount of experience in terms of practicing. And we can do all the same things. I can dry needle, he can dry needle. I can manipulate, he can manipulate. I can use iStem tools, he can use iStem tools. And our Google reviews... Yeah, but you're, you're better looking, so it's <laughs> really not a good competition. Well, look, I have... I have I have 10 reviews, five-star reviews. He has 10 five-star reviews. Then what is the competitive advantage that I have over Jared? And I have to say it's me, right? Like the, I'm selling myself in a way that, okay, take everything away that we just said that we basically cancel each other out. The reason, right, so pretend all other factors are equal. Right. The reason why I'm a, you need to come, why, why Martha needs to see me is because I'm passionate about helping seniors maintain their function, decrease the amount of surgeries that they receive, that they get. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. And you're going to enjoy the results that you receive from me, right? And he mentioned, like, I, I may be better looking, right? But if that, if that <laughs> I, I, I'm just being funny, but like, you have to sell everything about yourself in a way that separates yourself from the same clinician across the street or less than five miles away. And I think when I came, when I started the practice, I didn't realize that, yes, I was really just selling myself. I know I was the practice because I was a solopreneur. But when we were talking about it earlier, I was like, yeah, the only reason why I think I was able to thrive in a cash-based model, was it because I was myself? Like I was charismatic. I loved what I did. I was passionate. I was able to build rapport. Look, 
And when those, once once they were there, I really tried to solve their problem. I didn't have, but I had nothing but time. I only had three patients sometimes a day. So I would spend an hour and a half, two hours with the patient if they had the time to try to get them better. That's different from Jared, right? Like I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and once they experience a session with me or just in general, um, the personality is, it's infectious. It's going to be something that they want to continue to come to as well as they're going to want to refer their um, friends and family. Now, flip side is you have to understand that you're not for everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> Betsy may go to Jared, right? Because Jared does this X, Y, and Z. But hone in on who you are, embrace it, don't change it. And a lot of times that advantage is truly you. And I think sometimes it's often missed. I, th- I think too, like looking back, like we knew why we were different or knew we were different. How about that? But maybe it was hard to like once Jared had us do this exercise, which was like the red ocean versus blue ocean, it was kind of maybe hard to like say like, oh, this is why we're, you know, you have to like sometimes really think about, you know, you're different, you know, you're getting better results maybe than your competitors, but why and how and what is it that you're passionate about that maybe they're not and kind of who are you looking to help um and how can you speak to those people once you do go market on your website i think you guys bring up some really important points i think that there is some subconscious fear that comes up when you ask somebody i I do branding work with an with, with physios, but also with individuals in different industries. And I, I seem to work with a lot of coaches these days. So individuals that do coaching, I am coaching the coaches, if you will, but more from a consulting perspective, helping to build their business. And they have a really hard time, as well as other people, of actually putting themselves on a plate and serving it up as their brand. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where this comes from. We grow up seeing big businesses. So Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple, advertise on the television, on social media. So we get this impression that the way that you build a business is that you build a brand around a business concept. We don't ever learn the concept of building the brand around ourselves necessarily. We learn about building a business. We have to build a business. So what people end up doing is they come up with really cool, fancy names for their practices. And then on their website, they don't put pictures of themselves. They find stock photos of other people doing physical therapy that they buy off of, you know, or they get on Pixabay or they get on, you know, one of these iStock websites. And you'll see this. I mean, if you Google right now all of the physical therapy practices in your area and you look at at the photos on their page, most of those photos are stock photos. They're not the actual practitioner treating. The only picture of the person that you will actually be working with oftentimes is way down at the bottom in a little bio. There's usually a little picture (laughs) with a little bio underneath, right? I got websites pulled up on my screen right now, but that's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of stock photos and then a biopic, and that's it. There's absolutely nothing about the personality of the therapist on the website. And part of that is because there's this gross misconception that the way that you build a brand is by building a, <clears throat> a case, an encasement around your personality that you're calling the brand of your business. 
And then you brand your business as some sort of identity, which is different than your own personal identity. The problem is when you do that, you have no choice but to create something that's quite generic mm. and is very undifferentiated from everybody else. And the reason is, is that's very, very, very difficult to do correctly. And it requires a branding expert to build a brand based on a business. However, you as a human being are very, very different than another human being. You are inherently unique. You are inherently your own brand. You have your own preferences. You like your own colors. If I gave you 10 fonts to choose from, you would like one of those fonts. So in some sense, there needs to be a lot of you because you are different than your competitor 100% of the time. You can't get you wrong, but you have to be willing and brave enough to put you on a plate and serve it to your patients. It's kind of like people that are, that don't like seeing pictures of themselves right? You know, people don't like seeing pictures. I oh, don't show me that. I don't look good in that picture. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they don't, or they'll shoot a video, but they don't like watching it back because they don't like seeing themselves talk to a camera. Like that kind of fear is the kind of apprehension and fear that people have about putting themselves out there, if you will, because there's this fear of being judged. Thank goodness social media is reducing some of this fear to some degree because people are more willing to post about themselves on their social platforms. But for some reason, when it comes to building a business, this concept goes out the window and they start creating this fake encasement around themselves that they're calling their brand, which then ends up being nothing more than something terribly disinteresting. So that's, that's I think, problem number one. The, the second issue is they try to predict what they think patients want to hear. So how many times have you seen on uh, websites targeting seniors live an active lifestyle, get back to your active life? I mean, how many times have you seen that, right? <laughs> so you assume, you make an assumption that your avatar, let's say individuals over 65 years of age, that they're sitting around their house going, I wish I was more active. You're making that assumption. You don't know that to be true. And you sort of predict what you think your avatar wants to hear. There's a difference between having your avatar present on your website. In other words, putting them forward, having pictures of them using more feminine versus masculine colors, using more feminine versus masculine fonts that subconsciously speak to a generation of people that subconsciously speaks to a special interest. For example, if you were trying to attract a CrossFit population, you might choose colors that would be analogous to Spartan racing, greens, blacks, deep blood-colored reds. You might choose colors that speak to that person subconsciously. But you have to be very clear about building a brand around that because you can easily make a lot of assumptions about what it is that you think that that person wants. So then what the person does, the therapist does, is they start creating copy and phraseology on the website that they think speaks to that particular avatar, but actually then ends up being extraordinarily generic. How many times have you gotten to a physical therapy website where it says something along the lines of, we help you get back to an active lifestyle free from pain without medications, injections, or surgery? 
Like raise your, <laughs> raise your hand and tell me how many times have you seen that damn phrase on somebody's hero image at the top of their page? Because that's what we think patients are thinking. Oh, you don't want medications, injections, or surgery. So we're going to get, get you back to your active lifestyle. And you, you don't know have what? any clue. And Jared, I hate the country. You know what? Uh, that's so true. And the more and more I practice, the only thing they're really worried about is getting out of pain. Like, you know, that, that, that sentence could be cut short. It's just like, I get you out of pain. <laughs> but also, too, I, mean, I know we can't ever have anything like that on our website because we are the first to tell somebody if they need something else, we're like, you need this. Like, yeah. you, you got to yeah. go get the surgery. You need it. Right, because our values so are trust. We're right? not going to get results if, if you right. need the surgery, right? That's another one of our values, getting results. So Yeah, but you're so, so, so true. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, man, I just had to say the fact that you know the whole injections no surgery and, and, and like really the people are searching for physical therapy seeking physical therapy because they want to get out of pain and you have to have some form of that in there like yeah. keep it simple like i think it's like keep it simple more than nowadays as opposed to trying to outthink your patients right like it's your prospective patient. right i mean you could you could say that that the only part of that that would be untrue for example is if you had a parkinson's practice right where you did a lot of uh, of parkinson's boxing like rock boxing or something like this where your primary patient what's their what's the thing that they yeah. are afraid of the most falling mm -hmm. right so instead of making this complex thing i want to maybe i can actually pull it up maybe let me see if i can read one of the headlines on one of this okay I'm not going to tell you the name of the physical therapy place. So, so-and-so physical therapy, here's what it says. In the hero image, all in the hero image, which is the big image at the top of a website. Navigate your way back to health. At so-and-so physical therapy, we work with you to create a personalized therapy plan suited to your needs so you can navigate your recovery journey, get rid of that nagging discomfort, and return to being your best. I mean, does that not sound like everything you've heard on every single physical therapy website you've ever been to ever? Mm -hmm. It just sounds like, right. They, they don't need that. It's, 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 <laughs> well, does it set them apart? Like that doesn't make me say like, oh yeah, let me go there. I, I wouldn't stop right there. I'm like, this is it. Let me call. Right. Like, <laughs> they know what I want. <laughs> That's right. what I, that, that got me to move and pick up my phone and call. No, not at all. I mean, I would venture to say if you just had a hero image and the words, no pain today, call now, just something, <laughs> just, we stop pain. Like that would probably be more effective than a giant paragraph of promises about what it is that you're going to do for somebody about getting them back to health and active lifestyle and all that stuff. And it's not to say that we don't do that as therapists. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say that at all. It's just that that's not a competitive advantage, right? That is not what we're talking about here. So there's two, there's two sides to this. You have to know who you are. Who are you? Not what do you do? Not how do you do it, right? Those are big things, right? So let me, let me clarify. When I say who are you, I don't mean you're a physical therapist. No, that's what you do. We all know what you do. Physical therapy, if I go to one person, the next person, there might be a huge difference, but the public doesn't know that. Unfortunately, the public doesn't know that there's a big difference between a good therapist and a mediocre therapist. They don't know. So to them, everybody does the same thing. As I said, I got sites pulled up on my page right now. Everybody says dry needling. Everybody says stretching. Everybody says we do exercise. 
So what you do is not differentiated. That's not a differentiating factor, not what you do. What's differentiating is who you are. That means you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. You've got to be willing to put yourself on a plate. You either name your practice after yourself, or at least you pick a name that is somewhat personal to you that you can actually say, look, this is me in a brand. And the second thing is you got to be really clear about who you love to help, not how do you target patients, but who do you love to help? What does that person really, really care about? A patient with Parkinson's really, really cares about not falling and maintaining their independence and not relying on their husband or their wife for help. That's what they really care about. My dad, as I said, has health issues. And what he feels at this very moment is that he's scared to fly out to North Carolina to come visit us, even though we just moved here. He's scared to do that because he doesn't feel like he has his independence. That fear of being able to get on an airplane by himself and navigate through a busy airport will drive him to physical therapy. He doesn't think about that as an active lifestyle. That's not what he thinks about. He's afraid of losing his independence. There's a very big difference between talking about your fear of losing independence and you creating some sort of theoretical active lifestyle where you pay, play pickleball with your 70-year-old buddies in the court down the block. I mean, that's not why people go to physical therapy. It's not because they have some great aspirations to play pickleball. It's because they can't get out of a couch. It's because they, they're afraid of getting stuck on the toilet, things like this. So the competitive advantage that you have is understanding the people, the physios around you. What is it that they are trying to sell and creating essentially a personal representation of who you are on a plate and marrying that with who they are as, as, as a customer. And, and that synergy is where you basically have a patient arrive on your website and say the following phrase in their own head. Oh, this is for me. That's what you want them to say. Jared, I think that was a really good wrap up of everything we talked about today and leading into what we're going to talk about next um, episode. We're going to talk about how you can do all of that without niching down and downsizing your pool of customers too much. So stay tuned for that. You can also check out www.performancedocacademy.com. That's where we host all the episodes. We'll have the show notes so you can get an outline of everything you heard today. And you will also be able to get a free resource, which is um, a red ocean analysis worksheet. So you can work on that for yourself. So go check it out. Thanks so much for listening to the Performance Doc Academy podcast. Make sure to head over to www.performancedocacademy.com where you can learn everything that you need to know about how to start, grow, and eventually sell your very own physical therapy practice. We are going to teach you step by step. It is all of the information and knowledge that we wish that we had when we started out in our own practices. And this is going to save you thousands and thousands of dollars in mistakes. Head over to www.performancedocacademy.com. We'll see you there.